yes, it is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I am Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show is sponsored by Cheshire Impact on a mission to help you maximize your use of marketing automation and CRM. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Now, my guest today is a badass. And we're going to have an amazing conversation. It is Friday. And we've got some virtual margaritas going on over here. And let me tell you about him. He's a lead gen expert for LinkedIn. LinkedIn expert. He knows the ins and the outs. He's going to smash some myths on this very soon. In fact, he is the founder of a company called Lead Cookie, LinkedIn lead generation and prospecting services. He's also a world traveler. They call him the digital nomad, which is cool. We're going to talk about that. He's a serial author, tons of books out there, and he's the host of a podcast as well. And check out the name of this one, Working Without Pants. That's right. My guest today, Jake Jorgovan. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on here, Casey. Yeah, man. Welcome. This is so cool. I couldn't think of a better way to end a Friday. Um, maybe with some real margaritas, but having a conversation with you sounds like the right thing to do. Yeah, I'm pumped for it. So I'm, I'm happy to be on here. Cool, cool. Well, the theme, and we were talking about this earlier, the theme for this month, we just left the theme of nurturing, and now we're getting into sales and marketing alignment. Uh, and really, is a lot of this, especially as it involves in, uh, LinkedIn and just your approach. When we first talked, I even was just like, man, I got to get this guy on here. Your approach to nurturing and your approach to them, even the idea of sales and LinkedIn, you can't hide. So the, 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 the theme really is around nurturing and sales, sales alignment with marketing. And I just want to pass you the mallet. I want to pass you Thor's hammer to smash some myths right at the start. You just... You just start smashing and I'll just take notes. Yeah, so some of the big ones I'll start off with just are some of the biggest myths on LinkedIn. I mean, the, I guess the first myth would be anyone that thinks that they can't find their target prospects on LinkedIn. Uh, even if you're looking at a really non-tech savvy industry like manufacturing or like roofers or something, like they're, they're there. They're on LinkedIn. They are there. Uh, there might not be all of them, but there you can still access a very good amount of that market there. So there's just so many people on LinkedIn. You can you can still get to them through that. So anyone that still thinks that LinkedIn's not a good lead source, they're like the flat earth earth people, right? It's yeah. like it's not even true anymore. And I'll say it's it's a great lead source for B two B, not the place to go for B two C. But if you are in B two B sales, like this is the place to be. So I know a lot of people use it for recruiting, for hiring, for getting a job. So this is great to really be diving into the lead gen aspect of it. Okay, so first one smashed. Yeah, so the next one with LinkedIn, I would say is, I mean, there's so much you can do on LinkedIn. It's easy to waste so much time. And so, so many people go in there and they think, oh, I need to go wish people happy birthday every time <laughs> that pops up my feed, or I need to congratulate every new person on a job. And it's just like, I mean, it's your birthday. It's just like a joke because it's like, I don't even know these people. Oh, no. Happy birthday. Do like, people I'm say not, happy I'm, birthday to you on there? Oh, yeah. It was just my birthday last week. And Dude, I got, happy you know, birthday. Like, yeah, I got like 70 happy birthdays and I don't even know these people. And I'm like, what are you hoping to accomplish? Do you think by like wishing me happy birthday, I'm going to like go and inquire? And, and, and I've even had um, customers who had previously hired other LinkedIn consultants who literally just sent people happy birthdays and congrats on your jobs every day, thinking that that was going to work. And they're like, yeah, we did that for six months and absolutely got nothing out of it. So it. I mean, I, I kind of like doing that, but to your point, be, be very intentional about your use of time. If you're looking to try to get leads off of this thing, don't be a superficial asshole and try to go think <laughs> you're going to wish somebody a happy birthday and then you're gonna get their business. You know, sounds yeah. like there's a disconnect there that people don't make. Yeah, I feel like if you're gonna do it, do it with people you know and yeah. actually like personalize the message and don't just hit the like happy uh, birthday. Oh, like, the auto but, thing. You're right. Oh yeah, the auto it, thing. Yeah. You know, I always I always add like exclamations on there because I don't want to be that guy that just didn't care at all and I just like send the automated response, you know? Yeah. That sounds like that's what if you people yeah. do that, they're falling into that trap. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're going to do anything, like, first of all, it's probably not worthwhile, but if you're going to do anything, Got it. use that as a chance to actually like personalize that. So um, that'd be a myth. A myth. Another one is just uh, one I get a lot of questions around is LinkedIn groups. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, five years ago, these things were great. And I was in these a lot. These days, LinkedIn groups are just a dying, dying, sad place. Uh, you might be able to find a few niche groups that are decent. 
but for the most part, like LinkedIn has kind of hid them in their interface. It's kind of even hard to find them and they're just kind of putting them on the back burner because it just turns into people just blasting their blog posts in groups and there's not actually yeah. any conversation happening. So uh, that's interesting because I actually created a couple of those for Pardot users and, and I had a good, but you're right though. It was a couple of years ago in the heyday and it, you know, good conversations happening, kind of like a user community. That was cool, but not as much anymore. And in, in this case, you know, Salesforce has their own community mm-hmm. probably so they can own those, you know, that content and also those relationships. But yeah. So why do you think it, it made that shift are the people going to slack or other things instead i think it's partially i think linkedin has kind of just pushed them on the back burner and it just doesn't seem to be it's just not as prevalent in their user interface and like group conversations don't pop up in your newsfeed um, on linkedin i i as far as i know i couldn't oh, i no don't kidding. quote me on that but i've never seen one um and so it's not like the same as when you're on facebook and you know you start seeing conversations from your groups popping in there all the time um but i don't know i just that's been my experience and i've just i've seen the value in them just drop significantly over the past several years some cases you know if like if you're your part out one you might be able to you know build a list of customers through that of people that are in, interested in then joining but yeah um in terms of actually trying to engage a conversation there it's just not the you know it's, i i know a lot of people that even recently have tried to start groups and they just can't get conversations or anyone engaged you know it's funny i i literally started one maybe a couple of weeks ago for this podcast for the audience, if they if they have some questions for speakers, I would like bite you, then mm-hmm. invite them. Like, here you can ask more questions. But like to your point, when people aren't using it, it's not in their feed. They're not even, apparently they're not even showing images anymore for that thing. I wonder if Microsoft is just nerfing that for some reason. It seems like that's the case. Like that's what I gather. Yeah. I don't know that for fact, but it just seems to be kind of uh, less and less prevalent. So well, I'm a little skeptical too when Microsoft buys things. And they yeah. bought LinkedIn, right? Yep, they did, yeah. yeah. So, so they bought Skype, and now I have Skype issues. I'm going to Zoom. And, the, <laughs> and then they, they bought LinkedIn. I was like, people like, hooray. And I was like, no, this is the worst thing ever. And now they, I think they're buying GitHub too, right? I don't know, I don't know about that. They're that buying one. GitHub, so all of the code is about to go crazy. I'll have to find some. They better not screw up LinkedIn because my business is built on it. So. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Okay, cool. So groups, not so much. Not the place to focus your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing I'd say is um, just in-mails. Um, again, super, uh, I think a lot of people think that in-mails are the only way you can reach out to people on LinkedIn. Interesting. And in-mails are cool. Basically, what they do is they let you send a message to anyone you want, but you only get like 10 of them a month, and they're actually right. like really expensive. And so that whole myth that you like in-mails is the only way to reach out to people on LinkedIn is actually kind of wrong. What you can do is just connection requests and personalizing those is really like the primary way that you engage and start new conversations on LinkedIn. So um, that belief that people can only do in-mails and um, not, you know, just send out connection requests is kind of another myth I see pretty often as well. Yeah. Those in-mails, they, and it, the interface for that too, is it kind of often a far off place on the, on the sales navigator side. And you know, if, if people don't reply to it, you don't get that credit back either. Or something I know like you that. used to, and I thought that was pretty cool back in the day. And then I don't know why they took that away. <laughs> so oh, it doesn't even matter anymore. So no. you just get 10, 10 a month or whatever many you buy. Yeah. And there's, there's some other things with, um, they're doing sponsored in mails as part of like the advertising side of right. it, um, which is cool where you can kind of like get that message out to a large number of people. Um, so there is some like interesting ways for in mails, but like for the standard user who's not doing ads, to do those like 10 in-mails a month is just like where I use those is if I have someone who I really want to get a hold of and I can't find their email or find another way to contact them. Right. Um, I would use this as a way to kind of get in, you know, get in front of them. Right. And some people turn off their connection request thing. They hide that or requires an email address, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's just some people want to keep their LinkedIn network, you know, small and I, I get it. So they want to uh, protect themselves from you and your company. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, what, what is your approach and what is the right way? So there's all these things we don't want to distract ourselves with. What is the approach that you take? And obviously your cookie, your cookie, your company is called lead cookie. And what is the approach you take and how do you, how do you address this? Cause you said it's like a, a great place to go get, go get, you know, more leads, good place for demand gen. So what's your approach? Yeah, so our approach um, for doing basically LinkedIn lead generation is really simple. Uh, basically, there's 
three pieces to this um, and kind of what our service does at the high level. Like I'll teach you guys all of this today. Happy to, you know, yeah. go as deep as you want. Give you Classes guys a script. session people. <laughs> but because uh, our service at the high level, we're done for you. But um, basically what we do is we first optimize someone's LinkedIn profile. Okay. So that's like step one. That's your foundation to, to really succeeding on LinkedIn. And there's really like two pieces of that. There's like a million things, you know, like go through okay. LinkedIn's whole like recommended little, like do all these things to complete your profile. Yeah. But the two things you want to do is make sure that your headline is really eye catching and you're using kind of like a positioning statement there of mm. I help X do or accomplish Y or like, you know, X for Y companies. Uh, you want to like be very specific and not just put, you know, like, you know, CEO of, you know, whatever company or anything like that in your headline. Good point. Because, uh, like, that headline follows you all over LinkedIn. Yeah. You post on the news feed, it's right under your name. You show up in the suggested people to connect with, it's right there. You show up in the who's viewed your profile section, it's right there. It's literally there above your name or under your name in the messaging window. It follows you everywhere on LinkedIn. Um, so that headline is one of, like, the most important first, probably like, the most important tweak with your LinkedIn profile. Got it. You know, I'm totally guilty of that. I'm looking at mine. I've got just some titles in there, you know. Um, so instead of a, you know, found Trisher impact host of hardcore marketing, it'd be some positioning statement. So what it, like we help marketers crush marketing on you know, one of those kind of things, right? Really catchy. <clears throat> got a fist in there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we help marketers, you know, with, part out or marketing automation or kind of however you want that to be, but like, or we help, you know, X type of companies do this, but yeah, getting that positioning statement, you know, mm -hmm. for mine um, that I used to use when I was consulting, I used to use, you know, I help agencies and consultants win their dream clients. Now I say, you know, I help B2B companies generate leads on LinkedIn through done for you prospecting. So like I help mm -hmm. X do like or accomplish that. Y through Z is a really simple framework. Um, if you're struggling for what to put there with X being your target audience, Wait, say that. Uh, What's that recipe again? <laughs> I help X do or accomplish Y through Z. So X would be your target audience. Y would be uh, what your benefit that you bring them is. And then Z would be like what you actually do to serve them, like how you actually help them there. God. So like the actual kind of the what of your service or the how you do it. Yeah, I'm looking at your profile right now. I help B2B sales teams generate leads on LinkedIn through done for you prospecting. Boom. Yeah. It's just a really quick way to like you match with your target prospects and you deliver your value proposition really quick and clear. So Right. And I suppose if you're just throwing your titles on there, you're kind of thinking about yourself as opposed to the people you're trying to reach out to. So that's yeah. a great one. I like it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that, what you just said is exactly like the other tweak is that you don't want to just have a resume style profile. You want to have a profile that is more like a, a website sales page. You know, you want to have something that, you know, talks about your customers, the problem they're facing, and the solution that you bring them. So um, getting kind of just clear on that or just moving from that resume style of like, I went to college so-and-so and I have X amount <laughs> yeah. of skills. Like that's not the best way to utilize this space, especially if you're going to be doing it for prospecting. So getting it into kind of a, a more sales page style framework is a much um, better way to kind of take that uh, LinkedIn copy. You know, it's interesting. I don't want to get in the weeds, but Hey, why not? Cause it's Friday and I'm curious. It's interesting. So yeah, as I look back, you know, a lot of our headlines, I mean, not headlines, um, we've done that. The, uh, the part comes after that, the summary, executive summary, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, those, go ahead. Yeah, that's the point that I was kind of speaking on, that kind of like executive summary. And then also, um, you can also put a lot of that same content under like your job description at your company because, you know, some right. people, you have to kind of like expand the executive summary now. And so I typically put that same kind of description down there in the company one as well. So it's easy make sure people don't miss it. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. And, you know, taking a look at this because it's still written like I'm trying to get that job as a VP of marketing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So it's just that kind of simple mindset where you're really what you're doing is you're making it not about you, but you're making it about your prospects. And that's the yeah. way. You know, if you were if you're looking for a job as a VP of marketing, then like, hey, what what you got going right now is probably a great way to do it. But as a business owner trying to prospect and get more leads, uh, changing that to making it about your prospects um, is, is a much more powerful approach. I like that. And you know, I, in the description on the company section, we've at least changed ours for that, so that it's standardized. So we came up with a nice thing that's standardized, so everyone in the company uses it. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, we could probably update that. But yeah, interesting. Okay, so you do you change all the different job positions you've done? Do you get rid of a lot of those jobs that you had in the past or? Um, I typically haven't worried too much, you know, okay. you kind of just like on the old stuff, I'm not worried about trying to make that salesy. So your old stuff you can keep as kind of your standard, you know, VP of marketing, you know, going for the job title stuff. Right. And then really just focus on your current company and your current, you know, executive summary and making sure that that copy is optimized to hook someone in. Right. Cause they liked your headline and you want to follow up with it. It's almost like a landing page. You want to follow up with it. Yep, exactly. And like have a call to action, make it super easy for them to contact you through, email or give them like a phone number or anything if you feel comfortable with that but literally i have my email on my linkedin and i get leads just emailing me directly so um you know just making sure that people are comfortable reaching out to you um definitely helps uh you know generate more leads that way as well that makes a lot of sense you know what's funny i was looking at my profile i was as you were saying that and thinking man there's so much i got to change and i was like wait a minute well, I'm looking at mine, I, and I went over and I'm looking at yours now, so I can see. Okay, yeah, call to action. You got your email right on there. You got the website. Read more here, and then oh yeah, the oh you've got media added to the mm-hmm. position and the experience. That's cool. That makes a lot of sense. It's snappy. I like it. <laughs> well, we're gonna link to it in the show notes so everyone else can kind of click to it and. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, this is kind of just like the foundation, you know? Yeah, this, right. So this is, like, we haven't even started yet. We're just doing know, like yeah. prep work, this, right? This is just like, this is what you need to do before you do everything else. But this is like, yeah, yeah. the foundational elements where if you don't do this, um, everything else is kind of pointless. Um, and, and one of the things I'll even share is like another foundational piece with this is like, so th- this is an interesting thing that I've, I found is we've run over 80 campaigns, over 80 LinkedIn outreach campaigns for different companies and people. And we've seen massively differing results and how many responses and how much engagement they get. Interesting. And so like, we're literally putting people through the exact same four frameworks of scripts. Some people get amazing results. Some people don't get as great of results. And so like your value proposition and like how you're positioning yourself in the market is so crucial to the results that you're going to get. If you're a generalist and you're just trying to serve everybody, you're just not going to get that result. So if you're solving a problem that's not too big or in an oversaturated commoditized market, like you're just not going to see great results. But if you've got a narrow niche and really focus and you're doing something unique and different um, and you've nailed that positioning and gotten that dialed in, then you're going to see really great results with it. So that value proposition is just like this other foundational piece that is essential to have right before um, even trying anything else here. Interesting. And so you saw that as a big differentiator. You, you ran similar scripts and similar processes and just massive different results. And a lot of that was that value prop. So how many people do you start working with have that already figured out or how many do you have to polish it? Yeah. So these days we, uh, we turn people away if we don't think that they're going to succeed with our service. Wow. That's um, so, I mean, it's smart. I like it. Yeah. Cause we do, we do these money back guarantees with our service and it's so that we basically oh. force ourselves only to pair it. Cause like yeah. there's, there's other LinkedIn people where they'll just like sell this to anybody under the sun and, oh, sure. you know, charge them for two or three months and then they churn off and they're like really pissed off cause they didn't get any results. And for us, we're like, we only, we want to be realistic and just say like, I think this is going to work for you. I'm pretty confident it will. So, you know, if we have like a generalist, you know, um, software development firm that's like, hey, we right. build web and mobile apps for startups and enterprise companies. It's like, wow, so <laughs> everything for everybody. And I don't I can't even tell you how many of those leads we get or how many leads that are just like we do SEO and digital marketing for small businesses. It's like this that that's not a niche like <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. yeah so um like that kind of stuff we, we turn a lot of those people away and we we learned that the hard way early on we took on a few of those types of customers and quickly learned that it just literally you get like no responses with that but you take that same digital marketer and you put a tagline on them of saying you know i help manufacturing companies acquire new oem contracts or something and suddenly you're getting like really great engagement so um just like getting really specific um, with that and having a good value proposition is so crucial. And I mean, this is crucial for anything in marketing, but um, I just think it's, it's been an interesting learning to do the exact same thing for 80 people and see the difference in the results different people get. And, and then try to figure out what are the different things and sort of backtrack it and decode it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. If, if they come to you and they don't even, and they don't have, or they're too general, is that something where you can help them figure it out or it's, that's not your focus. Your focus is look, bring me a company that's got their shit together and let's go, you know, find the right leads on LinkedIn. 
Yeah, so we a lot of times can pull this out of someone and help them kind of narrow down and right. if they've got like a decent. So for example, we had one design agency who was really great and they had a lot of good work, but um, they didn't really like want to niche down. And then we're like, hey, well, can we niche down to just nonprofits for LinkedIn? Because they had like 50% nonprofit oh, wow. work. And so we did that and like then we start getting great results. So wow. um, we've done that at times. And we also we also have some people, a guy just signed up for us where he's like, you know, I'm really trying to figure out what my niche and value proposition is. And he's like, so I recognize that like we might have some failures here, but um, like outreach, I'm a huge believer is like an amazing way to test a value proposition because my belief is if you can sell someone cold or start booking calls with people from cold outreach, then like you've got a value proposition that really cuts through the noise. Um, A lot of people think they've got a niche because they just get referred a bunch of a similar type of company. But like that might not actually be a niche. That's just who their network happened to refer to them. And if you can like really get someone from completely cold outreach to respond to you and get on the phone and eventually buy from you, then you've got like a really good value proposition that cuts through the noise. Wow. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's like human testing. And Mm -hmm. I always liked AdWords for that same purpose. You can test a value problem real quick. You know, what A versus B, or even just does is there even value to this? You know, it reminds yep. me of like Tim Ferriss testing book ideas. But what what should I call my new book? This or this? And then everyone's clicking on that one, so that's what he called it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. That's similar type of thing. You can just yeah. do that through basically doing cold outreach as well. So I do that through cold email and LinkedIn outreach whenever I'm testing. You know, new markets. We're even trying to shift test on Lead Cookie right now to test a new market. So we're just constantly testing like that. That's cool. That's really cool. So we've got our foundation set, profile, magic, all that. We've got a very fine-tuned value prop. Um, we know who we're going after, and we're ready to go. All right. So there's two main tactics to generate leads on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I'm not going to dive too much into content or anything on this, but that sure. is obviously great to post content and stuff. Um, but the the big thing, the two main tactics I'm going to share is one is about how to kind of ramp up uh, connections and outreach through kind of like drip messaging. And the second one I'll talk about is uh, ramping up traffic to your profile. Hmm. So uh, the first one, basically what we do um, is we send, uh, we'll ramp up to about 100 outbound connection requests per day. Wow. And you put a disclaimer here, you need LinkedIn Sales Navigator to do anything I'm about to teach you. So without LinkedIn Sales Navigator, um, you will kind of go over their limits on what they allow and they right. might kind of like put a suspension on your account or something. Right. So don't do that. <laughs> you know, I, I have that just so I can see who's looking at me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, a, it's an amazing tool. It's like yeah. what you can do with the research and everything. Um, hey, so, is there any risk to the account that you're utilizing for this? Um, I wouldn't want the famous Casey Cheshire to get his LinkedIn account (laughs) shut down because I rocked it with lead cookie. Yeah. So we, we learned really early on. The other thing I was about to advise is that basically, you know, we'll, we'll send up to a hundred outbound connection requests per day. So basically we put together a LinkedIn search navigator queue and we send a hundred connection requests, but we ramp up that slowly over about two weeks. Got it. So we'll start sending like 20 for the first three to four days. And then we start doing, you know, 40 and like ramp that up slowly. Um, and we learned that because um, basically the first one of the, in the first couple of weeks, we made a mistake and we got account, you know, a three day suspension on an account and uh, <laughs> learned our lesson the hard way. So that was literally the only one we've had. Got it. Um, and all of these 80 accounts that that happened to and like right at the start. Um, the only other thing we will see is, if you have too many outbound connection requests sitting there that are unanswered, um, LinkedIn will start to say, hey, you need to add email addresses before adding people um, just as a way, but you can go and withdraw those. Um, oh, so is that how to get rid of that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, some people have that as an option. So they, yeah. they, they have that. But if it starts happening like to everybody, um, you just need to go through and withdraw some of your old connections. It typically happens around like the three to 4,000 outbound connections that are sitting there unanswered kind of level. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's not too, uh, we, like I said, we haven't seen too much risk or had any other issues other than that one early on. So basically the other advice, have LinkedIn sales navigator um, is advice tip number one. And then the other tip is like, start these tactics slowly. Don't just like not use your LinkedIn profile for five years and then start sending a hundred connection requests per day. Or basically they think a robot took over your account. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You've got a, uh, a Bitcoin miner attached to your LinkedIn account. 
<laughs> exactly. It's not going to work. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of the, the, the other kind of, I guess, advice with it. But okay. um, once you get those ramped up, like, and I get a hundred being the max, don't go over that would be the other risk. Um, you can send those. And so basically you can use LinkedIn sales navigator, which is super powerful. You've, if you've been in there, you can get super specific saying, I want to target, you know, CEOs of design agencies that are, you know, 11 to 50 employees and uh, in the, you know, like Boston area, you know, you can really right. narrowly focus with that. And so, you know, we'll, what we'll try to do is put together some campaigns around that and then basically um, send out, you know, connection requests that are very casual. You don't want to pitch in your connection request. Mm -hmm. Kind of your goal with the connection request is something low friction to get them to accept. So you can then send them more messages. Because if they don't accept the connection request, then you can't keep messaging them and sending right. them more stuff. Um, so that first message, you know, we might say something like, hey, you know, I was browsing around design agencies in the San or Boston area. Um, I, we've, we've worked with a handful of other agencies and other markets and thought it could be you know, worthwhile to connect. You know, something like very casual like that, very like non-intrusive. And then you can put your tagline underneath your name there to kind of position yourself as well. You know, that's interesting because there's the hint of a pitch in that. But you're, to your point, it's not like, hey, work with us. It's like, I've worked with a lot of people like you I want to connect is, mm -hmm. is that the appropriate strength then? Because I, I could just be like, hey, hey, uh, I like surfing too. What's up? But mm -hmm. you're being a little bit more clear about why you're connecting. It's because you've worked with other people. Yeah, so it's just kind of it kind of gives a little bit of intent there, but you're not overly like salesy or anything. But right. it just kind of it, it just kind of positions it a little bit better. It's where yeah. you're not just going to get people just chatting all day. So um, you can try that approach, or you can just try even something more vanilla and just saying, hey. I was browsing your profile, you looked interesting, so I thought I'd reach out and connect or something. So you can go like even more vanilla and not do that, but you know, something like that. Or um, another cool thing we've done a lot is we'll put a, a certain keyword in there. Uh, so we've used like blockchain or design thinking or stuff like that or design sprints as keywords. And we say, hey, I was browsing other people interested in blockchain, came across your profile, thought I'd reach out and connect. So now you've got this like mutual interest built there. Yeah. Um, and that's been like, a, like those tend to convert really high as well. So that's um, another kind of angle that we take with it sometimes as well in those connections. Yeah, I like this because we're being, I mean, a lot of these other conversations I've had, there's, there's a good way to do things and there's the wrong way. Just like you've got competitors out there who are, doing the crazy scammy thing, if you will, mm -hmm. no money back guarantee because they don't really care. And they're just going to, they're just basically harassing other people and you're going to get blamed for it. Right. Like, you know, the person hiring them is going to get the flack on their, their network and wow. Um, it's not very authentic. You know, it's mm -hmm. not authentic. You're not looking out for them. You're looking out for you. People can tell, they can smell that. We've been trained to smell that. So mm -hmm. you're, you're doing, you, it's almost like you, you have to intentionally be different than those other messages that we've all gotten from people mm -hmm. who say, Hey, you know, love to connect or no, no, just they just connection request, no custom message. And then you accept because they look relevant. And then you immediately get like a pitch email and you're like, son of a, <laughs> yeah. Strict. yeah. And, and so, and that, that goes kind of like the next step of this is like whenever someone accepts, like, yeah pitching someone a giant essay out of the gate you're just like ah like you don't even read it you're just like yeah it's like it got me but what so what we typically do and what we find works well um you know we, we sometimes can see it if you do like a very short and sweet kind of thing can work right. if you're direct but what we often find works the best um and also just kind of keeps your brand integrity the best is we'll ask a question so um you know whenever someone accepts my connection request i'll reach out and say hey thanks for connecting just curious like what's your top lead generation channel um and so i'm like all right how do you guys go about generating most of your leads and so that's kind of what i'm asking people and that you know when they respond to that i'm getting information that helps me understand more about their company kind of qualify disqualify them um, as a potential fit and we've got a conversation going now around lead generation which is like the space that we operate in right um, and so that's kind of one of the things that we'll often use as a way to um, you know start those conversations or, or get those ramped up that's interesting I because you're you're walking this fine line it's like this delicate balance and I guess this is really where sales can come into place but you can you can easily fall into that cheesy question thing but to your point 
it's something to engage them. That's very interesting. And if someone is a marketing manager at a company or you know, whoever you wanted to contact, you ask, hey, just curious, what's your top lead gen channel? I'm like, oh, for me, it's AdWords. You know, how about you? Oh, it's this, you know? So mm -hmm. I like that. Getting a dialogue started, not pitching right off the start. Yeah, and, and that's where, and that's the other thing. So the, I mean, the other thing that people, if you've never done outbound before and you've only done inbound, like inbound, you've got all this trust built through your content when someone comes <laughs> yeah. to you. With right. outbound, like you've got no trust. You just show up on their doorstep and you're like, hey, like talk to me. And so doing this question like helps you have a dialogue and get a few messages back and forth um, before you ever actually make the pitch for the call. So like that's kind of our whole approach is how do we start conversations so you can then warm those up. And then by the time someone gets on a call, like you've actually chatted back and forth with them. And they're like, okay, this is a real person. Because um, people might sniff out that, hey, okay, this is probably like automated or just like, you know, outsourced oh, yeah. to get the conversation. But then whenever like they respond and they say, hey, you know, get through word of mouth and referrals. I'm like, oh, well, you know, that makes sense. You know, work on your you know, website looks really great. It looks like you guys have some, you know, really strong clients already. Right. And like I personalize it. Suddenly like they're like, oh, I'm talking to a real person here. And like in kind of engage that way. You know, that's cool. I was talking to John Barrows the other day, sales trainer and. He was mentioning that context is really something that sales can do, you know, and, and you'd be an idiot if you're in sales to not be doing context. If you, otherwise, you can just automate yourself away, and that can happen to sales. So I like that you're creating this conversation with context about their profile, about what they're doing, mm -hmm. and that catches people's attention for sure. Yeah, that's one of the things that just, you know, it's, it's easy to start doing these tactics or we even have to remind our customers like you just because they send a message like, you know, don't not look at their profile and just start responding. Like go take a look at their profile, um, research into them, check out their website a bit, then respond and like personalize based off of that. Yeah. Because um, it just looks so much more engaging when someone actually checks you out and like looks into your background and stuff like that. So Right, right. Huh. Yeah. Cool. So the, how, how, what's the response rate like on this kind of stuff? I mean, let's say we did everything on, you know, on the hit list, we're following the rules here or, you know, your team, obviously, obviously, you know, really polished and they know how to do things. So I, what can you expect from, you know, your hundred a day and that kind of thing? Yeah. So basically in a, in a given month, we'll roughly see, send about, um, 2000 connection requests over the course of a full month. Sure. Um, what we typically see is most of our customers get somewhere between 50 to hundred conversations going on LinkedIn each month. Some of those are unqualified. Wow. We have some people that get more than a hundred and it's just kind of crazy. Sure. Um, but out of those typically half will be kind of like unqualified or negative or just not a right fit. Yeah. And then you got about the other half that are kind of neutral um, and like, you know, or positive responses. Yep. And we see most of our customers booking somewhere around three to eight calls per month. We've had a few customers. Um, we find that people who have done any sort of outbound sales before are really good customers for us because they're better at converting these because um, they understand like the different dynamic of an outbound sales process. Um, Got it. Yeah. So you're not doing that follow on conversation. You're just getting the process started. Yeah. So we hand things off at a warm conversation for people. So mm -hmm. Um, we build all the scripts with them. We build the strategies. But as soon as a prospect responds and says, hey, you know, I get leads this way or they answer whatever that customer's question is, basically, we're going to hand that over to them. That's fair, though. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's great. I mean, yeah. That's we do all the busy idea. work up front and then let them handle the nurturing. So. And then it's up to you to close that qualified conversation. Yep, exactly. And I mean, those are the two step first pieces, and we do two more drips after that. Um, so there's a total of a four-step drip. But... Um, those two alone already just generate a ton of activity for someone, even if they want to test this out on their own. Uh, we've had a lot of customers that were like, oh, does this work? And they go send 100, and they're like, wow, I, I'm a little overwhelmed already. So, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can we pause for a second so I can finish all these conversations? Wow. Yep. Interesting. Well, that's very cool. You know, how, how did you even think that to create this? Was there a gap you were seeing and you thought, man, I got I to gotta fill this need? Or how did this all come about? Yeah, so this basically came from um, prior to this. So I had an agency uh, as my first business. Yeah. We were a video production animation agency, and my partner was um, the brilliant one behind all of the actual work we did, and I was sure. the one behind our sales and marketing and kind of yeah. growing the business. Uh, and so uh, after that, I basically went out and I started doing sales consulting and growth consulting for other agencies. Um, and I did, was doing that for several years. And at one point, I just kind of looked at LinkedIn and I said, you know, I've never, 
really like put that much intentionality behind this platform. But I know when I just like dabble in LinkedIn, I somehow get customers. I don't even know how I just like, they just happen. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I knew that this was like historically something that would happen. So um, I decided, okay, well, I don't really know that much on LinkedIn. So I'm going to go out, and I'm going to research all the top thought leaders. So I looked at people like Josh Turner and John Nemo and all the people that were putting out um, a lot of training and content on LinkedIn. And uh, basically just started going and um, studying their methods, studying their tactics. And I took what seemed like the top tactics and I just started implementing them on my own profile. Um, And in that first uh, month, I ended up booking 11 phone calls and I had another 19 leads that I was still working. And then I ended up closing three deals in 60 days from that for my like own consulting practice. And so I was just like, wow, that was, that was a really fast like results there. I'm like blown away. Um, and so basically at that point, I kind of had this idea to like start a LinkedIn marketing agency was the first idea I wrote down. And then I just kept refining it until it kind of became into what lead cookie is today. Wow. No kidding. kidding. You know, I would, you know, I even say like, you know, there's this point where I'm always like, you're like, who are you? Right. (laughs) Where obviously this, you know, didn't become like an overnight serial entrepreneur. I mean, take me back. Where, where did this sort of start? Were you like 12 and you sold raspberries or like, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's not too far from that. I was about uh, 16 and I had a recording studio in my basement. Uh, so nice. I got really into audio production, started recording local bands and charged them $10 a song was my first endeavors uh, into entrepreneurship. And, um, and I was also always you were 16. Kinda, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> your parents like, what are you doing in the basement with all these strangers? <laughs> yeah, there's there was some really bad bands I recorded too. It was back in like the Screamo. Oh no. Cool. So there's a lot of Screamo bands, uh, which that that genre has kind of phased out <laughs> over time. Making a racket in your basement. <laughs> oh yeah. It was, uh, some of them were terrible. But uh it was a lot of fun and that's like how I got started and um so I mean that was like one piece of it. And then the other thing was uh you know, I was mentioned this in our pre-interview, but I was like a bit of a kind of a stoner growing up and I just had got this like rebellious attitude of I don't want to go work for someone else or follow into the system. And so basically right. I've been uh, I've been completely self-employed since 19 and just like figuring it out along the way. <laughs> Dang. So so you're in the recording studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so the air of the studio is kind of green from all the chemicals yeah. in the air and... <laughs> The, the great studio time. was actually made out of uh, blankets that I bought at Goodwill, hung from the oh, yes. basement. So <laughs> it was. Uh, it looked like a little like hippie closet or something like that. Yeah. So, Did you have like long hair? Um, I had a pretty terrible bowl cut. And there was, you go. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is a fun time. But um, I literally like kept doing that and that literally was, it was called rabbit hole recording eventually became rabbit hole creative, which was the first agency that I grew. And so it literally like evolved from the business I had when I was 16 to this agency that I partnered with another guy on. And we ended up growing to about a million dollars in revenue and um, ended up signing several fortune 500 clients and like worked with a bunch of touring artists and stuff. And like, it was a crazy, so uh, (laughs) it was a super fun journey. Yeah, man. It, so you just started doing marketing for people, like creative agency kind of thing, and then evolved from there? Yeah, so eventually I sold the agency to my partner, um, yeah. and I just kind of was ready to move on. Um, between that and marketing or in sales consulting for other agencies, I had this massive failure of a healthcare startup, mainly because like I just got into this because some guy was going to offer me money or like invest in this business, and it sounded like a good idea, and I realized I hate healthcare. Um, and I don't like wearing suits. <laughs> so right. uh, uh, my podcast is called Working Without Pants. So like uh, you put that same guy in like a suit jacket all the time going to meetings with like healthcare executives is not enjoyable. Um, and then yeah. after that, yeah. Well, I was just saying, you know, it's funny because there's a reason why we record video here, but I can only see the top half of you because you never know. You know, you yeah, never oh, yeah. know. Yeah, I'm in athletic shorts from the waist down. <laughs> you could be. <laughs> could be. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a number of things, but you know, that's, it's funny. You mentioned that, you know, it's like we have these ideas, we want to create something and then you realize down the road, either that customer base is not my jam or the culture you need to have to, in order to sell to that people isn't your thing. And it, 
And the idea was like, ooh, if we're doing healthcare, it means we got to be like all about HIPAA and all about regulation and all about, you know, for sure being, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. And we got to dress up every day that we see someone at, at because it's all about that ecosystem. Uh, for me, it was um, a play publishing company because I wrote a play when I was deployed one time and I thought, this is cool, man. I love plays. And instead of giving it to a publisher, I was like, this is my baby. I'm going to make a play publishing company. And I call it Cheshire Comedy. And it was cool uh, until I realized what the business really was. And that was, you know, we had a contest called The Funniest Play on Earth where people would, I think it was like $1,000 and you get published if you win. And so people from all across the country sent plays. This is many moons ago, but my apartment, they, you know, the mailbox be stuffed full of these manuscripts where people sent me the Jeez. printed play. Not, you know, this is, I, I, this is only a few years ago. I don't know what they, they, I think we made them mail it. I think so. So we could easily, more easily read it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all these plays all around my room. And I realized I don't like reading shitty plays. That's exactly <laughs> what that business is. It's sorting through those. And eventually we had to pay people to read the plays because I, I couldn't handle it. Because at first I was like, yeah, this would be cool. We'll get plays. I got my play. I'm sure there's other funny plays. And that first year we found a really funny one, but it took 300 other ones. And, and, uh, and so the whole, all that business of reading those plays and looking at that and editing and all that stuff happened long before the marketing, which is probably the part that I wanted to do but had all this prep work, this heavy loaded cost bearing heavy work. And eventually, you know, stopped doing it just to your point. It was like, that's not exactly what I was trying to, you know, I just wanted to be around theater and, and I liked playwriting and other people did too. Um, you know, so it's like this weird path of discovery. It sounds like you had that same kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of like a self-awareness piece of it. And, and, and also sometimes I think some things aren't what you expect they are. I mean, my whole first business was to get into the music industry. So a similar kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I'm going to work in the music industry, yeah. all that. And then like you get into it and you're like, man, these people work nonstop and they're kind of miserable and they have no social life. Really? And, uh, that's, that's a lot of the music industry. Like it just takes, you know, working nonstop networking after hours. And like, it's, you know, it is in a lot of ways, like what the stereotypes say. Uh, <laughs> so well, it's like a grind, just like playing lots of shows or just trying to get a show. Uh, for me, it wasn't even playing shows. Like I wasn't an artist, but it was just working in the industry. Like we yeah. did tour design, um, you know, before we even got on the corporate events, we designed like yeah. graphics for Mute Math and CeeLo Green and um, like Paramore and a bunch of these bands. And like the, the cool. relentless it's cool but the relentless effort you have to do to get that work and then the ridiculous expectations that everyone has like jeez oh, it's like literally it's just like well we own you now because you got this project and you better deliver something like amazing like it's just like oh, it's man. not like it's not like oh there's a scope extension because we're now over hours it's like no like we hired you to do this at x amount per song and like we expect it to be good and like it's just like uh it's it's just I don't know like we there was literally so many hours of like sleeping under my desk while my computer rendered and it's just like oh no yeah this is like this is not conducive to having like a healthy balanced life here and most people I know working in that industry really struggle with that that like having any sort of balance in their life just because that's the culture of that industry right it's like you sell a deal to literally a prima donna who or dawn i guess would be the male term but either way someone who's super demanding and and now you got to work with them and make them happy and, and try to meet some crazy expectations yeah and literally uh like to give you a ridiculous story we did we did design work for CeeLo green's tour at one point which yeah. uh we literally we work for like weeks and weeks like probably like about a month and a half doing all this stuff and then he finally comes and he like waits till like a week before the tour starts to like uh, even like come look at any of the content or like even like talk to us and then he like just slashes like 80% of it and then like once it all rebuilt with like these ridiculous like changes <laughs> of he's like I want women in like bikinis shooting machine guns and it's like and like the tour starts next week. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you just like go with this and so then it's like another week of just like we've been like grinding to get to that moment of him yeah. coming and then he slashes it and then you just gotta like grind again to get it ready for the tour so you know some things you get into and they're not as glamorous as you and we're in new hampshire we're thinking where do we find women with machine guns actually new hampshire's not <laughs> you might find some people in new hampshire yeah yeah that's that's true there's yeah. some here, 
Yeah. It is live for your die. So yep, if exactly. you go far enough north, you'll find people. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm at the northern tip of this. You are, right? <laughs> so you probably just phone, phone the neighbor. <laughs> yeah, there's the, there are occasional gunshots I hear around here. My dog does not like that. So. Sick. Sick. So, man, it's interesting. You got to see the behind the scenes or be the behind the scenes and, and realize that wasn't for you. And But then evolve and make those changes. Yeah, definitely. And it's something nowadays when I'm like, yeah, maybe my career isn't as artistic or like creative or working in like this fancy industry, but I'm like, man, I've got a great balanced life. Like I took (laughs) off this morning and my wife and I went for a bike ride with our dog. And then I worked like, I'm working like a half day today. And like, it's just like, ah, this is way, I I wouldn't do this if I were in the music. Is that that like right now? Like the podcast, the only thing you had today, otherwise you'd be margaritas like we talked about? Pretty much, I had like this in a few uh, in a few sales calls today, and it's like I can keep I can build that balance right. in a business that's just you know it's it's just built to in a different way. Well, you're definitely really accessing that freedom that comes from uh, from creating things, and you know one of the things I, I really liked and I wanted to ask you about it kind of ties into this is that I I know you set you know yearly goals, personal goals. Um, business goals, finance goals, work, maybe family goals too. Maybe just talk about that. It, have you always done that? And what got you into that? Yes, yeah, so I've done that for, for quite a few years. And um, I think around the time of reading, like I think the Rockefeller Habits was one of the first things that really yeah. kind of got me into that, which is um, I now kind of like evolved into using EOS, which is just kind of like similar. But um, right. Basically, you know, I, I've for a long time kind of just, you know, I always try to do like annual goal setting and everything like that. And then I'm very much a believer of breaking that down to like, what are your quarterly goals? What are your monthly? Um, and then what I was like to this week and like all the way down to today. So like I, I literally have this like spreadsheet sitting next to me right now that has like my goals from like, yeah, like literally on the back side of the sheets, my annual. Then I've got like this left thing. I'll even, is this thing going to be on video as well or is it just yeah. Okay. Yeah, video if you want to hold it up. Yeah, so I literally yes. kind of slashed or changed, but like this whole column right here is my quarter two goals. And then we've got the monthly goals up here. That's the week. So I literally every Sunday I sit down and I plan out my upcoming week and I pick right. like what are my top things that I need to hit this week. And then I've got the today and then I've actually changed this one. I made it like a daily thing that I need to do on a daily basis and just like a checklist. I'm looking at a clipboard with columns and then you've got sticky notes on there probably so you can make some changes and. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So yeah, I use the stickies to kind of just rotate off and at each month I'll put a new one in there and just kind of strive toward objectives on that each month. I like that. I like the physical aspect of that because if you, you know, I, I could create a spreadsheet that has that. And actually, I think I do either a spreadsheet or a doc, but then it's in a tab. Maybe it's always open, but it's in a tab that's not in front of you. So you can have that kind of yeah, plain it's, sight. It's, I don't know. I've, I've just loved it from, there's, there's a few reasons, I guess. One being it just, I don't know, every time I've done something digital, it just gets cluttered up because it's too easy yeah. to add something. And then suddenly I have tons of overdue tasks that never got done and, um, stuff like that. And, and there's this just gratifying thing at the end of my day when I've checked everything off and I just crumple up the post-it and toss it. Oh, in you crumple <laughs> up that. Yeah. Crumple yeah. up the sticky. That's awesome. Yeah. You so know, yeah. I've got a, I've got stickies right here. There's like literally no excuse for me not to do this. So <laughs> you have to take a photo of that or something and send it over. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's uh, it's it's super fun system. I enjoy it and it, it helps keep me focused and just progressing month after month. I don't always hit the goals, you know, but sure. um, striving toward them and getting, and I think there's this interesting piece of goal setting where it's not just about like, like just doing it as step one. Then over time, you have to learn how to like do it and do it better and more realistically and really decide what you want to achieve. It's easy to just like write something down, but it's in like, why do I want to achieve that? Yeah. How am I actually going to achieve that? Um, and so there's so many, like so many like nuances of it that it's almost like a muscle that you strengthen each time you do it. And every time you work through like a series of it. It's amazing how that intentionality, there's like a whole muscle group. It's like, we have this intentional body part. Maybe it's like a third arm off of our head or something, but when I'm getting all kind of like karma, but, uh, no, it's like, we've got, um, all that intentionality. So several things you mentioned, like wanting something is a muscle, just figuring out what you want personally versus what everyone else wants you to want. That's Mm -hmm. one thing you got to practice. And then to your point also, why am I doing this? Setting that goal, making it, some people call it smart, making a smart goal, but also, you know, what needs to be true. When you mentioned you plan out your day like that, 
I thought, you know, a guy named Dan Sullivan would be really stoked mm-hmm. to hear that. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh yeah. Big follower, strategic coach. So <laughs> dude, me too. Me too. We're to geek out. But, uh, I have, I have one of the books right here, impact filters. Do you know? About oh yeah, yeah. I have not gotten that book, but I do use impact filters. So I've listened to a bunch of the podcasts on it and got the template online. Totally, um, man. Dude, impact filters were huge for me. Um, and for everyone else out there, an impact filter is a doc that in simple terms, and you can Google it, impact, we'll put it in the show notes too. But in simple terms, before you do anything, a pr- new project, uh, a day, you can do it for the whole day or a meeting or a really important meeting or really important phone call or anything. You basically fill the sheet out and it says, well, what's going to happen? And then it says, um, what is the ideal outcome if this, if this, if this works? And also, you know, what's the best case? Also, what's the worst? If we don't do anything, what could happen? Mm-hmm. And then there's a really important section that says, at the end of this project, phone call, day, week, month, quarter, whatever, what has to be true in order for this to all be a success? And these are like simple questions, but they kind of get to like the why and the what. Why am I doing this in the first place? And then, then what needs to be what needs to happen in order for this to be a success? Like what needs to happen for this podcast to be a success? Let's talk about this, this, this. We laugh, we tell some jokes, whatever. But being intentional about something before you actually dive into it, I found that to be super helpful. Yeah, no, I, I definitely 100% agree on that. It's, um, there's so many times where I sat down to do an impact filter for a project and then you're like halfway through, you're like, and this probably like isn't actually right or like the yeah. whole, like what I'm scoping right now is not, it's either too big or it's too small. Like a lot of times right. I go into an impact filter and I'd be like, I'm trying to bite off something way too big. I need to like slice this into like something way smaller. Yeah. <laughs> or on the flip side, I like start on something and I'm like, oh, this is actually only a small piece of this bigger problem I need to fix. Um, and it's all that kind of intentionality of using that tool, which um, is super, super powerful. Yeah. And in some cases, not even doing it. And I think, you know, half the point is convincing yourself that needs to happen before, you know, going and telling your team about it or anyone else you know, taking up all their time. Cause sometimes we can just throw ideas around like, like we're juggling, but it, it can be really helpful just to, to your point, think about it yourself ahead of time. Do I really want to do this? And sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the way I know that is I don't even want to fill out an impact filter for it. And I've, <laughs> I've said it as a rule in my company, but also for other things, if it's important enough that I want to do it, I got to do an impact filter. So I have a whole list of all these ideas and some of them have impact filters and some of them don't. I'm like, oh, I'll come back to that later. But okay, great. Now I know that that's not really a priority right now. Some of these other ones are really a priority. Yeah, no, that's super. I, I, I honestly, I, as we're saying this, I realize I haven't used the impact filter in uh, a few weeks. And I'm like, man, I'm starting on a project right now and I haven't done an impact filter. What am I doing? That's why I'm just yeah. like dabbling around here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, is this really complete? Is this really a success when you're done with it? You're like, meh. Uh, yeah. You can always pick it apart, right? You can always like, oh no, it could be, could have been better. Well, did I hit any criteria? What was the criteria? So, but yeah, we, when you mentioned you planned out your day, I was thinking, you know, it's very similar. Dan Sullivan actually does an impact filter for every day, but, which is kind of a cool question to ask. In order for this day to be success, mm-hmm. what has to have occurred? You know, and it sounds like you're you're doing that with your your sticky, but yeah, the impact filter for the projects, and I've even had important meetings where I'm like, okay, this is an important meeting. I'm kind of a little nervous about it. I don't, it could be dramatic. I want to make sure it works out well. What has to happen on this phone call so we get off this thing? Uh, and also, when you're done, you hit the success, get off the phone. You don't have to like hang out. Oh, is there anything else to talk about? You know, you, you mm-hmm. got it nailed. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I like that approach. I, that's why I need to read the book because I've only done the podcast. So I've only used it for projects and I never even thought about using it for the day or the phone calls or stuff like that. So yeah, well, awesome. you know, it, it's sometimes there's things I'm just like, man, I got I to gotta get more. I got to learn more on that thing. Uh, <laughs> first start, to your point, you know, when you first start making uh, rocks or rules or goals, you know, you kind of write them sloppily and it takes a lot of practice. Um, my impact filters at the beginning were like, well, how, how do I fill that out? You know, when you haven't done it for a while or you haven't done it ever, mm-hmm. thinking about what, what would make that a success for you? Was uh, it a number? Is it a, is it you know, a statement? Is it a particular act? Figuring all that out helps. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and not to make this whole just, you know, giant sales session for Dan Sullivan, but have you also <laughs> read uh, Unique Ability? Oh, what's that? What about Unique read, Ability? Yeah, have you read Unique Ability by Dan Sullivan? I haven't read the book. I did do one of the classes. Do you do the classes too? 
Uh, I'm not in the classes right not now. Not yet. The <laughs> I'll sell you on that. Oh, I know. That's that's coming. That's 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 budgeted very soon. So. Totally, totally. But okay. So the book. So have you found that helpful? Oh, it was amazing. It was like life changing for me. It's uh, to go through like the entire process and like actually do the inventory of all Tell the people action. about the what the unique process is. Yes, yeah, so a unique ability. It's oh, unique uh, ability. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically the idea that you as an individual or every individual has an area that you're uniquely talented at that like you're really strong at. Um, and the problem is a lot of people try to like fix their weaknesses um, instead of like focusing on their strengths. And so they just right. become having like a bunch of like mediocre weaknesses. And so the idea with unique ability and the whole process of that one is to get really clear on like what you're super good and talented at yeah. and then like learn how to get those other things off of your plate. Um, and so one of the, the like easy exercises that anyone can implement is just like get a piece of paper, put it next to your desk. And every time you switch tasks or you do something like write it down on yeah. a sheet and you start doing that and you just collect an inventory and then once you like, typically it takes about like two, three weeks where I'm like, I think I've got pretty well, like everything I do on like a daily basis, um, documented here. And then you categorize that into something that like you just love and are passionate about something that you're like, you're good at, but you may not love it. Something that, you know, kind of you, not that you, it drains energy from you and then stuff you're just like incompetent and you just suck and you fail at it. Like, totally. <laughs> um, and so you start to put it in these buckets and then you start to like, that's like that just alone creates this amazing sense of awareness doing that. And then the goal is basically how do you start to like get some of those things that are on the bottom off of your plate? Like, yeah. and um, that's part of it. And there's this whole like narrative piece of like trying to understand and describe like, what are the trends of those things you like? Right. And so I came out of this process understanding that like what I'm really good at um, is basically going like I'm really good at coming up with ideas. I like to start them immediately and I like to like get things moving. Um, so I'm really good at like just getting something started and just like going with it. But I suck at like maintaining things or like doing ongoing work or as soon as something becomes like repeated weekly yeah. on my like to do list every single week. It's just like I'm, I don't enjoy that. Um, and so like getting clear and understanding that about myself was just like, man, I have been structuring like retainer consulting deals for years and they always went downhill like six, eight months in because like, I just wasn't motivated on the work. And right. I was like, wow, it's cause like I was structuring my deals in a way that was like counterintuitive to how I like to work versus anytime. If I ever do consulting these days, I do like a quick in and out project where I just right. like create massive value and then I'm out like, and it's just like literally like I was setting myself up for failure by not having this awareness of like where my, my strengths were. Yeah, so true, man. And, you know, that bottom, the bottom two squares on that chart, I, I know you're talking about the ones where it's like, uh, I'm horrible at this and I hate it, but I have to do it. And then the other one is like, um, I'm somewhat, I'm okay at this, but I hate it, you know, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> you know, being clear and honest enough with yourself to put things in those boxes, you realize hmm, you know, is this important for me to be doing or should someone else be doing that? As, you know, instead of, oh, you know, hey, look, I really suck at Excel or finances. Um, you know, is that something I should even be doing? Mm -hmm. and, and I love how, you know, Dan Sullivan, he, he models his own company after that. So everyone in the company, they all are all about unique um, ability and they are all doing what they're supposed to and what they love doing. Where they're in that top left column where or category where it's, I not only am I really good at this, I'm like uniquely good at this, but I also love the hell out of doing it. And I do it for free if I could. Right. Yeah. It's like, do this stuff in that box. The more you can do those things, the better, you know, better for you. Also better for everyone else who's around you and gets to experience the results of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Um, like that, you know, it's, it's hard to realize that like some people on like are just so different from you. It's like hard to even fathom, but like there's parts of our, like of our service. that's just like really kind of like monotonous and like doing the exact same things day in and day out. Right. And I'm just like, I can't fathom that. Like, it's like the worst thing in the world to me. Yeah, but sure. then like literally one of our team members, um, she's phenomenal. We tried to like promote her into like another role. And she's like, I don't like this. Like, I don't like having, like, right. like, I don't like any variability in my days. She's like, I want to wake up and like, know what needs to get done, do it. And then like be done with my day. Right. And, like, I don't like having like phone calls popping up like randomly. And like, it's yeah. just like, wow, like you're just, you literally love 
the work that I hate. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and it's in finding people like that and like getting them into those positions is just super powerful. And it's awesome that we, we're all different enough that we have that, you know, uh, that there are people that do like, you know, either the regularity or systematizing things that maybe you want to create. So mm-hmm. it's just that whole spectrum of people. And that kind of reminds me of the, the Colby. Did you get into that or heard about yeah so yeah through that unique ability did the colby and then did strengths finder and sure um, so they have you do those as part of it to kind of like understand yourself so yeah it was super super helpful as well you know colby they told me about it and and you know at our company i've been really big on disc d-i-s-c for everyone out there it's like a it's kind of basically a personality test and um i really liked it because it was simple it's four numbers or four spectrums and we've used it for a long time but when i found out about colby What's interesting is Colby's a lot different. Their podcast, I've geeked out on this one. They're, it's it's not a personality. It's more of your striving instincts is what Colby tests for. Mm-hmm. Stuff that you can't exactly learn about people um, from a phone call per se. Not mm-hmm. not always, you know, whereas disc and personality, hey, this guy's outgoing. This guy hates people, you know, or this guy <laughs> is really good with details or she doesn't even know what a detail is, right? Some of those things, sometimes you can make some generalizations on a phone call about that but with colby it's things like how much research they, do they need to do before making a decision or do they prefer like you were talking about does that person prefer standard things that that operate forever or new things every day every week that kind of thing so those kind of qualities i've been really really in a, colby I actually booked a training for i think it's next month i'm gonna go get trained on that stuff that's awesome yeah i, I went through that one as well and did you um, yeah, it was it was eye opening for me. I can't remember all the categories off the top of my head, but I think one of the, one of the things that was eye opening is, is that I was rather um, flat across the Colby. I had some that I was. Do you remember your numbers? I, 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 I was trying to pull it up. Google it. Trying to try to like <laughs> check your Gmail quickly. That's yeah. I literally I started I literally started to go through my folders and I was trying to remember, but <laughs> I remember like I was f- high in like the like. Ideation one, I think, or yeah, the quick start, yeah, quick start, yeah. I was high in quick start, and then I think the rest of them were literally all the same. And for me, that was like eye opening because I was like, I am a person who can become good at anything. Like I can learn. Like I'm a super fast learner. Yeah, I literally like can do anything that I put my mind to, which is great, but it's also a massive problem because I'll try to do it all. Right. And so that was like this really interesting learning for me to realize that like, oh, I like, yeah, I can kind of like fit into all these areas, but it makes me just like also think that I can like excel in all those, but I really like struggle to excel in them. And so it's, it was just an interesting, it was an interesting learning for me just to realize like why I have like been in some sense, like a generalist in like all of my skill sets is because I'm just like spread out across all those so evenly. Right. And what's, what I liked about the Colby too, tied into that is that it says, look, we can all do things like you can follow up on things too. So can I, uh, but there's certain things that we get energized by doing and there's certain things that we don't. Right. And so it's almost like using your energy the best and the wisest way you can. Um, I'll still follow up on a couple of things, but after I do a little bit of that, man, I filled up that quotient, you know, but I have a, I have a bigger quotient on creating the ideas or creating the innovation or do something new. Um, and you know, it's interesting that kind of personal understanding of yourself, you go off in different directions with that. One for me is I'm thinking I might need to change up, um, workouts and adventures like once a year. So every year I'll have like a theme Mm -hmm. because otherwise I I get into something like I got into triathlons and you get kind of bored with it, you know? So I'm thinking maybe next year it'll be hockey. I'll get back into that. And in the following year I'll make, or maybe not, maybe a quarter, I don't know, but, but kind of understanding your, you know, yourself and then what appeals to you and kind of taking that, um, that approach. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's, um, yeah, just kind of pushing yourself out to new limits and stuff. You know, you can just keep going for the same triathlon or getting better, or you can just like yeah, push yourself to learn something totally different. Something totally do. Yeah. Cause I remember learning how to do triathlons and being like, wow, this is so, this is like scary and it's cool and doing your first one. Uh, but now I've done a couple. I'm actually doing one on Sunday. And I'm like, yeah, nice. I got, I got that. Oh, no big deal. It's all good. But uh, so I need to go chase that next thing. And um, actually, there's um there's a, a mountain climb coming up. We're doing the presidential range for a fundraiser. Nice. And uh, it's a charity that uh, takes kids at risk youth 
brings them out into the woods, almost like an outward bound, takes them climbing, takes them out the camping, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm doing the presidential range to raise money for this program. And it's kind of mixing things up. And, and I bring this up because I, I think I read something about you climbed or you ran up the steepest mountain in New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. And, like, uh, so not too what far is that from madness? Now, yeah, that one I just posted on social media a while back. But um, yeah, we found it too, huh? You guys find everything. Find like, everything, that's just, man. It's just like a Facebook post. Somewhere. I got your social security number too. But tell me about what mountain was this? Uh, this was Cannon Mountain. Um, and it's very ironic because I have I have a buddy who runs this um, series of races um, in the winter, and they basically they run up ski mountains before the slopes open. So you get out there literally at like the crack of dawn at like six a.m. and you start running straight up the ski slopes. Um, so did that, which brutal. was super, super brutal and fun, um, super sore afterward. And then I, ironically, I got the worst flu experience of my life and was sick for a month afterwards. So after that. wow. I don't know if it had to do with going up the mountain, eating from like the entire, like home baked goods that were like all over the table that all the people involved brought, but Hey, it was fun. And I got to go run up a mountain and see a beautiful sunrise. So well, I'm glad you, you, you kept a positive thing out of that experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it was Man, that job. sounds like one of those like um, Spartan races or something. Have you ever done one of those? I've not done those. Those are on the. the I don't want to. I don't want to do the ones where they shock you and like crap like that. But yeah, um, that, that like sounds painful. Races and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> I, I hear that if you run through the shocks at the same time, you know, it still has the, the same number of watts or amps across the whole thing. So it like lessens the amount if you're all going through it. I don't know. It could just, be. It could be a myth. Maybe someone could have to come on here and smash it. But that's yeah, what I heard. I just don't. I'm so interested in getting electrocuted. I'm I'm all about like the challenges, <laughs> jumping over obstacles. I did one like that. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to. I don't need to like injure. Like, I don't. I don't need to feel pain. Like, <laughs> right. It's funny. We'd yeah. much rather jump over fire than go through the like thing where you're going to get shocked. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Well, this has been awesome, man. This has been fun. You know, talking LinkedIn and all and all these other geeking out on strategic coach. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they, the strategic coach should be paying us for this podcast. They should, they so. should totally sponsor it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give us some uh, some URLs. You know, Twitters, all that stuff. Where's a good place to find you, connect with you? Probably LinkedIn. Could just talk about it. But you know, where we're some good things for people. We'll put them in the show notes. We'll mm -hmm. put them in that LinkedIn group that no one's in, but we'll put them in there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the um, what I'll say basically is uh, the best place is leadcookie.com is for our service. And again, we've got 30-day money-back guarantee on our service and everything there. Um, if you want to get more of the scripts and everything we're doing there, head over to leadcookie.com slash ebook. Uh, we've got that on our homepage as well. But basically, we've got an ebook that gives away all of the scripts, frameworks, Jeez. tools, everything we use. We give away the tactics because our values and the fact that we do it for you. So. Right. Um, that, and then if you want to see, I, I blog and I've got the working without pants podcast and that's all over at jake-jorgovin.com. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, thanks again for coming. This has been fun. We got to go run up a mountain together. I know. And, I know you're like, you're huh? coming up with the presidentials. That's only an hour away from me. So you're not too far away. Okay. Good to know. I'll, I'll hit yeah. you up when I come up there. Yeah. That'd be super fun. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks again, man. This has been the hardcore marketing show, everybody. Share this episode with someone. If you learned something about LinkedIn or some of these other crazy things, we're geeking out on personality, share it with someone, you know, get that information from somebody else and, uh, you know, join that, that deserted LinkedIn group. If you'd like make some noise in there, um, or, you know, make a Slack channel or something like that. But either way, you know, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you on the next one.